Southeast Radio's morning mix. Chat, news, and your views. Alan Corcoran. Good morning, Alan. Colm, every year on the 10th of December, the world celebrates Human Rights Day. Um, and I believe very much part of this is the Global Refugee Sponsorship Initiative. Can you tell me a little bit about this, please, Colm? Well, well, first of all, International Human Rights Day marks the anniversary uh, on the 10th of December 1948 when the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted. So that document was a reaction to the horrors of the Second World War and all that we've seen, and it was an effort by the international community to set out for the first time an agreed set of rights um, that all of us possess by the simple nature of the fact that we're human. So today marks that day, and that's why it's uh, International Human Rights Day. I suppose if we look at some of the big human rights challenges at the moment, and gosh, there are many, aren't there? I mean, when we see what's happening in Afghanistan, we can only be horrified by the, the crackdown of that regime, but extraordinarily inspired by the courage of people, particularly young people and young women in Iran, in standing up to that regime. Um, and in many parts, parts of the world, we're seeing just a, an appalling regression and attack and undermining of human rights. But, you know, when we look at how the public respond to that at times, that's extraordinarily inspiring. I, I now work with an organisation called the Global Refugee Sponsorship Initiative. And what we do is we work to support governments and NGOs and community and community leaders to establish programmes through which local communities welcome and receive refugees into their communities. They support their resettlement integration. People are not going, you know, when people arrive in a country, they don't go to a reception centre or into an institutional setting. Instead, they're brought to a home in their new community and supported by a community group, a group of ordinary people from that community who guide them and assist them and support them and befriend them in about the first 18 months of their life in their new country. And that's that's the work that that I'm doing now to support that effort. Do you think there's more of a a hunger to support human rights at the moment, uh, Colm? Is there more interest in it? Yeah, I think there is at the at, at the level of of the local and at the level of the individual. I mean, even if we look at something like the response to the World Cup in Qatar, I can remember when I started working when I worked with Amnesty International when I started there back in two thousand and eight. It was the run up to the Beijing Beijing Olympics, and one of the big challenges that we had was people just saying, "This is sport. It's not trying to suggest that human rights were inherently political, and sport should never be about that." Despite the obvious fact that these regimes often wanted to hold these big tournaments to, to, to whitewash, to sportswash their appalling human rights records, we were told that these things were entirely separate. But actually, if you look at the work that Amnesty and others have done in the run-up to the World Cup, the discussion on human rights in Qatar and human rights, uh, Qatar's appalling human rights record, and in particular the horrific violations of human rights related to the preparation for those games and the staging of the games in Qatar have been a big part of the story. And I think that demonstrates an increased public understanding of these issues, but also public appetite and and desire to kind of take on these kinds of issues. So I think that's huge. And, and the other area that I said, as we've seen it, yeah. I mean, if you look at the response to the war in Ukraine or to the crisis in Afghanistan, ordinary people and communities welcome refugees into their homes and, and into their communities and supporting them directly. Right. You know, literally millions of people are now being supported at the level of community across the world and that's an extraordinary thing. How can people get directly involved with human rights, Colm? I mean, you have have always been an activist in so many different areas and uh, most recently I would have talked to you quite a lot about amnesty but if there are people tuned in this morning who would like to get involved in something like this how easy is it to do that? Well, if they want to get involved in community sponsorship there is a really good programme here in Ireland it was launched just before the pandemic hit so, you know, between that and the Afghan and the Ukrainian crisis, it's it's uh, it, it, there wasn't an opportunity to really promote it and build it up beyond the initial pilot phase. 
but it's there and, and, and ready to go now. So people could go to the opencommunity.ie and find out more about the extraordinary work that's being done right across the country to support and welcome refugees uh, um, into communities locally. If people want to get active on human rights, well, think about an issue that you care passionately about um, and identify an organisation or a local group that you can work with, be it Amnesty International, be it supporting an organisation like Frontline Defenders, who support human rights defenders in many parts of the world, um, and Trocra do really good work on human rights. Any organisation that offers you an opportunity to have a voice and to use that voice is certainly worth working with. You know, bearing in mind that it's only when ordinary people ultimately engage and demand change that change happens. Systems of power don't change because they choose to. They change because ordinary people demand that kind of change. Mm. Even in countries like Iran, we're beginning to see that when sufficient people step up and demand change, change can start to happen. And, you know, if it's, if it's possible in regimes like that, I mean, imagine the change that we can make in our country or in Europe or in the world, given the kind of freedom that we have um, to have voice, and to be powerful in response to these kinds of uh, abuses and threats. Um, back to this country now. Uh, uh, and I suppose housing is the massive big talking point at the moment, uh, Colm. Does, does that come in under kind of human rights initiatives as well? Is it simply inhuman for people uh, to be on the streets of Wexford and the streets of Dublin at the moment? Is, is that one of the areas that, that would definitely be a case for human rights? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the, the right to housing is a human right. And critically, that means that states, including Ireland, obviously, have a responsibility to vindicate that right. Now, that doesn't mean that the state has to provide a house to every person. Instead, it means that when the state is making decisions around, you know, uh, housing policy, when it's looking at how it intervenes or engages with the housing market, it has to do that in a way that's uh, evidence-based and that any reasonable assessment of it will show that it's it's designed to bring about the the best possible housing outcome for everybody. So that would mean, for instance, that when it comes to setting housing policy or deciding how uh, housing, house building will be incentivized, the first consideration has to be delivering the best possible outcome for the greatest number of people and not the interests of narrow sectoral groups like, for instance, the construction industry or developers or, 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 or the political system. The decision, the decisions have to be made on the basis of what will work best to drive the best possible outcome for everyone. And if we had a right to housing in our constitution and a government was making policy decisions that clearly weren't focused in that way, then those decisions could be challenged and government could be told ultimately, go back and revisit that decision because the evidence doesn't support the decision that you've made. So it's a powerful tool to demand and drive evidence-based outcomes-focused policy-making and political decisions, including the decisions around what, what to do with people's money and where to put our money when it comes to investing in housing. Right, I have to go to the Holy Confraternity Band. They have a big event coming up and I have only a few minutes to talk to them, but can you just point people towards your uh, lovely recipes because I'm a Facebook friend of yours and apart from what we discussed here now, if you ever open up a restaurant, you can put myself and the boss down as, as your first customers. You're some chef, so can you point people towards where they can see your recipes, please? Well, they'll see them every Friday uh, in the Irish Examiner on the Irish Examiner website. But if right. you want to keep up to date with them, quickest and easiest way for them to go, uh, Alan, is to go and look me up on Instagram at Colm O'Gorman and they'll yeah. see links to all of the recipes there. But you're very kind. Thank you. Happy Christmas to you. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Chat, news and your views.